Hey, this is Phil Yenov with the Tech After Five podcast. And uh, you know what? We're going to check in. We're going to tell you a little bit about what we've learned over the course of the week, as we do in our Friday roundtables. And then um, we're going to talk about an article that I came across this past week that uh, I passed around and I've seen a lot of other folks pass around on uh, where are we in this moment? Is it time to build? So that's going to be pretty interesting. Thanks for being with us. Uh, first off, I've got my pal Scott Pfeiffer with me. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Phil. Always great to be here. Yeah, super glad to have you. And uh, Carol Hamilton. Carol, uh, welcome to you. Thanks, so. so Glad to be here too. Thanks, Phil. You know, I was looking, Carol, I was like, can I read what that is written behind Carol's head? I'm not sure. It's a, and and a Scott's leaning in, trying to figure that out, too. Uh, I don't know. What is that you've got for so behind here's, your So here's today's quote. It's from Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. It's no use going back to yesterday because I was a different person then. And I feel like that is the, the whole world could be saying that right now. And so... I think that that's an incredibly appropriate. You just can't keep looking back. It's time to look forward or at least take a pause and, and say, here we are today and be present. One of the two. But I think looking back, is not going to serve us. It was a different time then. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm here now, right? So yeah. why, would, why would I be thinking about that? I'm here now. All right. All right. So I thought I'd start with the idea of a little bit of a, uh, a check-in just kind of this is it's not unlike the way we do it when we get together our uh, mastermind group but i'm gonna ask you to bend this just a little bit uh on a scale of one to ten how are you doing and uh, one is uh, just awful and ten is completely and utterly awesome i've got the world by the tail but i want you to think about it uh not just you personally but kind of the folks that you're serving right your clients your tribe etc how is that working out for them um scott i'm gonna start with you a scale of one to ten what's it look like from your point of view uh personally i'm probably about an eight uh things seem to be going pretty well in my life uh, nobody close to me is sick, and I'm pretty healthy, and uh, I am four days away from my two-year anniversary of finishing chemo and being cancer-free, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, my customers, you know, there's kind of a range there. I have five customers that I work with on a sort of a monthly, regular, almost daily basis. And they, you know, they probably range from a five to a nine. Um, I don't think any of them are in desperate straits at the moment. You got some guys that are moving kind of slow, swimming through molasses, trying to get things done. Uh, one, maddeningly, has got all the work he could possibly do uh, with people who have money to pay him and can't get the government to issue permits to get the work done. So he's got three fourths of his crew sitting around twiddling their thumbs, waiting on permitting. Uh, so that's, you know, not ideal. Uh, be great if, you know, government, governor McMaster and the boys could, you know, get around to issuing some permits because that could actually put some people to work, digging some stuff and making some money. Wow. Um, but, you know, it just kind of runs the gamut. The telecom client I work with, we are putting exciting new, platforms and business opportunities together right now so um you know like i said the, the guys i work with are probably range anywhere from a five or a six to a nine and i think i'm a solid eight at the moment 
Excellent. Well, that was a good and thorough check-in. Carol, how about you? What are you seeing in your world? How are you and how are the folks you serve? Well, I'm very jazzed about your anniversary. Congratulations, Scott. I've got a couple of family members uh, in the process of the chemo and various things with cancer right now. And the good news is it's so far the the battle is on their side, but it is an ongoing process. I think I'm probably coming in around a seven. And I would say that most of my clients are similar to, to Scott's. I don't think I have anybody dipping that low because I don't have anybody in that particular type of situation. But what I'm seeing is kind of a neutral of, all right, here we are. We're on a bit of a plateau. We know we're coming back. We're not exactly quite sure how. And we're trying to envision what that might look like. But right this very second, we're still closed until, let's say, next through next week. So if we could possibly take a breath before we go charging into the next phase of this, that might be the way to go. I would say people are very, very cautiously optimistic. And it is very cautious as we sit and try and decide if this is an asteroid or not to use your term, Phil. I personally am probably sitting around an eight and I'll take it because these are unknown times and I love my tens, but I can feel the difference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And, you know, I I never can figure out exactly what to make of this, right? I mean, and I know I'm going up and down and quite frankly, just from how I feel, my, my health is good enough, right? It is what it is, right? My health is good enough. But it's just this sort of up and down as you go through the week. And some days are like pretty good. And I feel like, oh, I'm I'm really in that eight to nine range. And then other days, I feel like my trading range is more like in that five to seven zone, right? Where I'm not quite sure how things are going on. Um, I think, all right, I haven't said this. I think it was this week I had my first telehealth medical checkup. That was Monday of this week, right? And so, uh, you know, I have regular checkups with my doctor just to make sure that uh, I'm following the game plan we've got for my uh, health, as it were. And um, so I went, uh, I had this thing. It was the first Zoom call. And it it was was kind of a weird thing because my doctor's really good and I like my doctor a lot. But it was clear that this Zoom thing, I had was much better at it than he was, right? I had, I had a lot more practice at this than he did. And uh, I was like, I don't know about it. So, uh, but it was, you know, it was kind of neat. And I said, you know, it, and this was my choice. I guess the way my doctor's office is actually working is that if I wanted to go and do that in person, they would like, you don't go to the waiting room, you go sit in your car and then they come out and tell you, and then you go back and do your thing and hopefully minimize. But, you know, um, I'm just in a spot where I don't care to be around sick people. So I just decided that I would do it from home. And we're in a maintenance zone, right? I'm not in a spot where anything bad is going on and it needs some immediate change in something. Um, so it uh, it all went, that was super weird, but it went pretty good. Uh, I mean, and, um, and it was a good session. I'm, I got no big complaints in that regard. And... Uh, I am just glad that they didn't make me draw my own blood in order to get some <laughs> lab work done. I just didn't, I didn't want to uh, have that happen while I was there. So it was all, it was all okay. Uh, so I think I'm, you know, I'm probably in that seven to eight zone right now, right? Uh, I am super stoked with what we're doing here, how we're sharing out to the audience and how we're helping them. And uh, quite frankly, we just did Tech After Five in Greenville this week, you know, a virtual Tech After Five. It was a it was a great call. My other stuff is going well. I'm going to talk about some of that as we get to the what are we learning part this week. But um, this has gone really well. And uh, I don't know. I mean, if I were, the, I could, 
I could, there are times in my life I've thought, would it be nice to go and like find yourself a cabin in the woods and sit down and write and think and all that? I'm there. I mean, I just got tossed into it. It just happens to be in the house I was already living in, which is good because the fridge is fully stocked, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is also bad. But the fridge is fully stocked. And so I'm good in that spot. And there's the chance. I mean, this is it. I am spending a lot of, I mean, my family's around a lot, but it's still, I'm spending a lot of time in my own head. And this is a chance to figure out what I want to have happen there. Right. And what I want to do with that time. And, uh, you know, one of my questions is, what do I want to create in this time? And I'm doing work on some of those things. And we'll come back to that with you guys, too. And that's kind of where we end up. That's the C block of what we're doing today. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty, this is pretty good. The folks I'm talking to, again, uh, you know, I'm, f the folks are self-reporting. So when I talk to Tech After Five, they're the folks that showed up, right? So I don't know, I might have lost folks on either edge. There may be folks who are feeling so bad about their situation, they won't show up and talk to me. And there might be others that are doing so good, they don't need me, they don't want to talk, right? So I, I, I don't know. But in the middle, I think that's kind of like where Kara was. It feels like that sort of neutral spot. There are people who were, uh, I will tell you from, you know, we, Chris, we did that podcast earlier in the week about uh, nailing the Zoom call. Um, lots of people hiring. You know, I just did that tech after five. So I see people hiring and they are trying to interview people. So they, they had a laundry list of what they were looking for. So uh, that gives me great hope at this moment. You know, again, asteroid hit, could hit any dime. I get it. I mean, it's not a thing in the world I can do about that. Um, I can look up in the sky. I can kind of figure out where I am. But I think, you know, I'm, every day I uh, carry water and chop wood, right? Every day I get up, I make my breakfast, and uh, I eat that, and I take care of my kids and my family, and I hug my wife and tell her I love her, and then I just do what I do for the day. And uh, it just is what it is. So, so far, so good. I'm not worried about it. I, I'm just doing what I'm doing. So that's my check-in. I was kind of longer than what I thought on that thing, but I think, uh, you know, folks are just trying to figure out where everybody is, and uh, it's it's kind of a gift that some folks can tell us about that. We're getting great uh, folks are, uh, by the way, we're, thank you for everybody who's given us kind words about the podcast. That is awesome. I am glad that you're getting benefit out of the three of us kind of sitting here and chatting with each other and the folks that we get to talk to. So uh, that is really awesome. We know um, so I want to uh, pivot here for a second. This is our step two, the B block, if you will, of where we're headed today, and find out um, what we are learning this week. And let me start with you, Carol, and kind of say, you know, you've had a chance. I know you talked to us a little bit about where people are feeling and maybe your vibe on what's going on there. But uh, what have you learned as you've gone out and Zoomed or WebExed or however you contact, you know, sterilized, sanitized communications over the Wi-Fi <laughs> with your clients? What does that look like? Well, I am on all platforms and it has become incredibly clear you cannot be a single platform in today's world. So uh, this week was WebEx more than Zoom. Um, and I will just put it out there. I like Zoom better because I like breakout rooms. I like a few more upper options than WebEx has, but WebEx actually served well in the meetings we were in. Uh, as a personal study, just because I think it's fascinating, I'm really excited about what's happening in the medical field, not just as a result of this. I think it's just accelerating what was already in motion. And I love the idea of well care as opposed to sick care. 
And so the concept of having sensors around that are doing things like taking your temperature and measuring various uh, fluids in your body or outside of your body. I think there's some really interesting products that are going to be soaring into the market in that way so that we're not waiting until we're sick, but we're actually getting ahead of the game a little bit in, in well care. I think there's some really interesting things happening. So that's yeah. kind and of I, what I'm You playing. opened up a can of worms there. Now we can talk about community health versus, uh, you know, pay for visits and pay fee for service kind of that is a complete fundamental change in our healthcare system isn't it uh, it's a coming <laughs> is it is it yeah i do i, mean, I do believe I, it. I, I, i'm all with you i don't know if it's coming i like the idea i don't know if it's coming oh uh, yeah that's a, that has been an interesting thing uh to see but um so how it so how what are, what are you taking from your clients this week? As you talk to them, what's on their mind? What are you learning from them? Uh, the bigger piece everybody's thinking about is how are we bringing people back? And as we're watching the governors, you know, try to figure out who should go and who shouldn't, it's really about how are we going to structure the next six months to a year? And what we're seeing is, for example, uh, all training, all live training is pretty much being washed out for 2020. A lot of, I've got one client who said, we're going to bring 50% of the folks back into the office and the other 50 are staying home. And we're trying to help them sort out how you're going to decide who's who. And do people just get personal choice on that? Is that going to naturally lay out? Because they're trying to figure out social distancing in the office. There's also this issue of you get people set up to a certain degree. There's no schools going, going back for as far as I know, at least not with any of my clients. And so they're trying to figure out how to help people be parents. And do we yank them back into the office? And now is the daycare open? Is the babysitter available, et cetera, et cetera. So there's so many layers to this. And I think what they're doing is trying to put this kind of jigsaw puzzle together. Because in the midst of all this, productivity needs to happen. And so how are we relaunching the business? And so there's just so many, I think, different pieces to that. So that's been the conversation of how are we sorting out which pieces are we missing anything and how can we get input from our employees? And as employees, what are we doing to think about where we want to be? Because the company may be asking or you might even be able to just offer thoughts. I think they're listening in a way they never have been. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Scott, any of the folks that you work with, are they having to either bring folks back or try to figure that out? Is this on their plate yet? Yeah, they're starting to think about it. And the, you know, the thing is, nobody knows what's going to happen, right? And I think that's always true. I think we are terrible at predicting the future. Uh, but we, we ignore times when we predict the future and things don't go the way we thought. And we uh, pay attention when things do go the way we thought. So we have this false idea that we're great at predicting the future, which is completely untrue. But in a situation like today, nobody can look back six months ago and say, oh, I knew this is exactly where we would be in six months. So the, <laughs> the fact that we're terrible about predicting the future sort of punched us right in the nose right now. And you do see people starting to say, okay, this is how I think it's going to go. And I think most people just don't believe that they know what they're talking about. I mean, we, we shut the country down when we had about 500 deaths a day. Uh, from novel coronavirus. We're up to 2,500 deaths a day as of probably today. Why we think suddenly now it's time to reopen, I have no idea. 
Uh, maybe right. there's smarter people than me out there, but we're going to cross 50,000 deaths today and we're going to be at 100,000 deaths by the middle of next month, I think. But I'm terrible at predicting the future, so who knows? But I think that's the biggest thing right now for the guys that I'm working with is that they just don't have enough information. They, um, you know, I've got guys that have tons of work in the pipeline. Everything's looking good, but they're just waiting for the shoe to drop that all these companies are going to say, yeah, we're going to put that project off. We've been waiting for it for a month. We've been waiting for it for two months. It hasn't happened yet. Is it going to happen? We don't know. At the beginning of all this, we were assuming that all that was going to go away. And we were trying to figure out how we could pivot into other lines of business, maybe right. do more of business with the federal government, who we thought would have money, and less business with private or semi-public entities, who we thought were going to be in trouble. And so we did pivot. Now, if the, if the, if the work we had doesn't go away, we're going to have more work than we can possibly do. We're going to probably have the best year we've ever had. So who knows? Is it going to be the worst year we've ever had? Is it going to be the best year we've ever had? 50-50. I mean, there's no bet, right? It's a no bet. Nobody has enough information. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we about, made it all the way to April and you don't know, right? I mean, we're, no we're in April and we don't know if this is going to be our best year or worst year yet. You're at people who are saying, hey, we need to come back into the office. McMaster's opening things up that would improve morale if people could come back. And other people in the same company are saying, that's crazy. That's crazy. We, the worst thing that can happen to us is we come back too early and everybody gets sick and now we can't do it. We're, we're actually functioning okay working from home. Right. If we come back in and we all get sick, that's going to be a disaster. What's the upside? So you got, but this is within the same management team. You have these arguments, right? So I think we're bad at predicting the future. And I think that's obvious right now. And I think that that's what everybody's got these plans. The telecom company I work with, we're rolling out new products, but what are they going to look like? Are they going to be used? Is, is everything going to open back up and these products aren't really needed? So I'm trying to, help people figure out changes they can make to operate in this environment that have some stickiness for the future to give us, you know, open lines of business that could still be used even when we come back or make changes to work at home that could still be used when we uh, are able not to work from home, that sort of thing. So I, I think you can do that, but there's never been a time uh, in my recent memory when, you know, living in the day is all you got. Yeah. But, so but let I me like, ask this question. I want because I want to wrap both of you into this conversation, right? In this bit. So, what is the form? I mean, absent government regulation, absent anything else that tells us exactly what we ought to be doing in terms of bringing people back. What are the tests we should or could be using to figure out how to put folks? in the office, if we want them in the office. How are you gonna do that? I really like Scott's approach where you're talking about little things you can do that have stickiness and get out of the extreme thinking. So I think the extreme thinking is, no, we can't go back, nobody should go back, or the extreme thinking of, that's it, doors open, let's all go back. And I think if we just keep taking small pieces that even have the possibility of being retracted, so let's bring some people back, perhaps the ones who say, I would like to be in the first 10% that goes back to the office for whatever reason is driving them. Maybe there's a situation at home that that would just make it better. 
and going into that, that small group rather than saying, okay, I've got 2000 people. Let's all go back to work on the same day. And then discovering, God forbid, people start dropping like flies, getting sick or something else goes on. And, and now you've got this mishmash going. So I would start with the smallest of pieces. Well, yeah, I, think, I think some of it depends on what your posture is now, right? I mean, if you are effectively working from home, getting your work done, bringing in revenue, um, then I think, you know, and maybe all the people I work with that were in that position that asked me to help them go get a payroll protection loan, we have gotten them. One got funded uh, yesterday, one's getting funded Friday. That's going to buy them eight more weeks, right? And so, and what I keep telling them is, you know, if we're not on fire right now, we're able to work from home effectively. There are some problems with it, but we're, we're getting it done. And we got this loan that's going to carry us through eight weeks, no matter what. And we'll know a lot more in eight weeks than we do today. So let's just, unless there's a compelling reason. Now, there are other businesses that are basically closed unless they can go in and work, right? My right. friend owns a game store. Right. It's closed. He, the only way that works is for people to go into the office. So he's having to figure out when is he going to open and how he's going to open effectively and safely. Is he going to, you know, one idea he had is he's going to put in limited numbers of employees and allow people to buy games by drive up. Do you basically okay. go online or call, tell them what you want and you park and the, his employee will bring the, you know, in a mask and gloves will bring the game out to your car. And uh, they got to figure out a way to do the payment electronically or swipe a, you know, the whole thing. But, um, you know, restaurants are going to have to figure this out. So if your business is non-operational, I can see why you're kind of on fire to get back and you need to be thinking of ways you can do it safely or as safely as possible. Um, and if your yeah, business you think is okay, about it in that space, right? Be. So in that, in the example that you gave, right? So, I mean, if you've got a retail spot, but you know, that one, I know, I know who you're talking about, right? So that the thing is they have a combination of things going on. They can still provide the retail component, but they provided a social component that they really can't do or can't figure out. I wouldn't imagine they could figure out how to do that safely for a while yet. That's going to be tougher to open up and it's going to take away. Yeah. Their gameplay area back before all non-essential businesses were closed they kind of tested out this, how it worked. They closed their in-store play area. They limited the number of people that could come into the store at any one time. They started this come to your car and deliver the game thing. Seemed to be working okay. Then non-essential businesses were shuttered, so they had to close. And, uh, you know, maybe they will uh, start going back to something like that where they're not, uh, you know, they're limiting the number of people who can come in. They're doing the drive up. But, you know, that is not going to generate enough revenue, I don't think to right. keep them going possibly generating a, a gift certificate drive would be useful too just because then you can get some forward and i know that that's a hard that's a hard pull i have seen a spa do that successfully where they went on a fairly good sized campaign and the people who said we want you there when we're done you know what yeah. uh, we're going to buy it and i think they threw in an extra 10 percent just for buying it now 
Yeah. But I yeah. think one of the keys that we need to look at here too, um, I like the idea that we're looking at, are you productive? Is it working? But I think that there is a, there is an emotional and a mental component that's happening that you're, you're going to see more and more of, at least that I'm hearing from my private coaching, which is the stress of people being at home and not knowing is really eating at them. And it's eating at some more than others. There are people who are very happy to be there. They're all tucked in introverts are, are celebrating, but there's some extroverts who are really struggling and I hate to use those two terms because I think there's a much bigger range than that. But I think it's important not just to look at, okay, do we have the funds to keep you there? It's how are you doing? Do you need to be in the office and sitting 10 feet away from somebody just to, to keep your, men, your, your mental well-being? And I think that we need to ask those questions. If we're looking at even considering another eight weeks, you've got to be right on top of that because I, I'm seeing pretty good-sized cracks in the armor at this point. It's, yeah, that's been uh, that's definitely been part of the conversation with some of my clients, and there are yeah. those in management who are saying, "Look, you know, the guys I'm supervising, morale is really starting to drop. And if yeah. we could come back into the office in a safe way, that would be a huge morale boost." Yeah. Then there are others who say, "Yeah, there are some of our employees that are terrified of coming back, and they're afraid right. we're going to make them." Um, so I think there's some of both, and you know, maybe. Uh, your idea that, that, you know, one of your customers had about bringing some back, but not others and letting them sort of self-identify who really wants to come back and who really wants to stay home. And let's see if we can't work that out somehow. Maybe that's, maybe that's yeah. a good solution. Maybe that's a half fish, half fowl thing. That's not going to fly or swim. I don't know. Right. But you know, when we have the conversations about how can we move, bring people back safely because of mental health reasons, then it does pivot to, okay, do we need to, do we need to move the cubicles apart? Do we need to put up barriers? Do we need to put arrows on the floor like they do in the grocery stores where everybody walks up the same path so they don't cross each other? Do we need to stagger times? People are there, you know, do, we have offices with two right. people in it. Do we need to figure that out. So there's a lot that goes into it. How can we do right. it in a way that's going to make people feel safe and, even actually, more importantly, actually be actually safe. Be so safe. Right. Yeah, right. right. We don't send our whole workforce home sick. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it has to be sanitized before they even set foot in the building. And I mean, because who knows who, who left with it. I mean, there's, there are definitely pieces to that. But I think if you open the window of hope that you might be able to come back, you are, you're helping alleviate some of this. Are we never coming back? Is this now my new life? Oh, dear God, this is not what I want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that is a, mo a learning in and of this moment, right? How are we going to solve that problem? Um, anything yeah. else this week? I don't remember how, where that started exactly. I think Carol started that. Was there anything else this week that was just jumping up at you? Maybe, Scott, something on your plate that you thought was useful to bring to the audience? Well, you know, I think these PPP loans are very helpful in terms of getting you eight weeks down the road to where you have more information to make these decisions. And, uh, you know, two of my clients were lucky enough to get in on this first batch, uh, which is now exhausted, but it looks like the Senate passed, um, a bill putting 350 billion more dollars into it. I think the house is taking it up today. Um, so if you weren't able to get in on the first roll, uh, I think your opportunity to apply and get in uh, is coming quickly. I, I think probably by next week we'll see um, 
banks opening up those portals again. So, uh, you know, get your ducks in a row and get in there, apply if that makes sense for your business and that'll help you out. I think that's an important thing. Yeah, you know, we talked to Earl about that, uh, Earl Gregorich from the SBDC a couple of weeks back and trying to put a bunch of information. He got a lot of response on that. I mean, I think some folks are doing it, but I am shocked by the folks that, that are still dragging their feet on this bit, but need it, right? They need the help, but they've dragged their feet in terms of getting paperwork done. I mean, I know some of them are um, dismayed by how difficult it might be to work with a bank that they thought they had a relationship or whatever. <laughs> but if you're going to solve this problem, I mean, the obstacle is the path, right? You're going to have to get over that if you're going to do something about it. I mean, and there are other options out there. And that's kind of what Earl was talking about. There are other places for you to go get it. Yeah, I think that, you know, if you're completely shut down, I can see your reluctance to go say, well, I'm going to go borrow money to make payroll and pay employees who aren't working at all. Uh, that seems a little, you know, hard to bend your mind around. And then what happens if for some reason, either the bank or the SBA screw me over and I don't get the forgiveness and now I'm on the hook for all this debt for paying people that make me, it's, I can see why people have trouble now. The interesting thing is this second round is coming right when we are, at least in South Carolina, starting to open up a little bit. So maybe, um, you know, if you're a restaurant that's providing to go and you think that's going to increase, you can bring those employees in. You got eight weeks of being able to pay them without having to take that money out of your sales. Uh, I think you can use that money to pay rent and utilities. So maybe that's a maybe that's a bridge for eight weeks till you see what happens. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But I think uh, I think there were a lot of people who kind of either got in late and got shut out or they got in early and their bank decided to fund um, yeah. big <laughs> giant customers bumped. instead of yes. them. <laughs> yeah, there was a priority issue here that wasn't all about timing. <laughs> we did it all first come, first serve. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Raise your yeah. hand if you believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I think, you know, your opportunity may be coming. And I think some of the banks have been chastised a bit in the way they handled the first round that maybe they'll have some lessons learned and try to get out there and uh, help more little guys on the second round. We'll see. Yeah. Well, and I think there's more clarity here that this is not the, the short-term thing we were hoping that this is stretching out. And maybe now's the chance to say, if I just get my paperwork in, I've gotten myself in line. And I can always say no if it turns out that it doesn't work out. I can always be checking in with my employees to find out if they'd rather stay on unemployment because there are folks who are in a better situation thanks to unemployment. And so how am I managing that too? And you can always back out right up until the moment you sign your name on the promissory note at the end of the road. So you can go ahead and go through it. It's going to take a week or two anyway. And you'll have a lot more information in two weeks than you have today. So you can decide then if you want to do it or if you just want to say, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm not going to sign the promissory note. You know, that's allowed. Doesn't cost you anything. So exactly. Okay. Uh, Excellent. Uh, I think those are things that folks are probably finding themselves wrestling with, a couple of issues that they're wrestling with as well, and some excellent insight on that bit. Um, I brought here for the last thing what we wanted to chat with about today was I brought you guys an article that I had read from uh, Mark Andreessen uh, earlier in the week. And his contention is, and the title of the article was, It's Time to Build. And basically, he was saying that the you know, all Western 
society, he wasn't singling out the U.S. or anything, was just completely unprepared for coronavirus, the pandemic, and that this was, uh, you know, we were not building or maintaining infrastructure during this time, and that, that we really could have been. We didn't have, I could see, for those of you watching, my cat just walks through the set as we do this. I want you to know it's a live set. It's an actual Zoom thing that happens here. And the dog It's mutual is of eyeing. Omaha's Wild Kingdom over there. <laughs> yeah, I know. The dog is eyeing the cat, and the cat is trying to get out of the house is all I can figure. It's just nuts. Um, it's the real thing. This is not a set. Um, but uh, his point was that uh, this was a time when we could be building things and as opposed to sort of acting in fear and not responding to the opportunity that was in front of us. And uh, there's a sort of, I'm sure there's a whole a wide set of ideas about this, but you know, it has always been my secret mission with uh, Tech After Five that one of the things we're here to do is to bring IT professionals and entrepreneurs together in a room so that they can build things that build for a better tomorrow. So I love the idea and it seems like, you know, obviously a lot of folks like the idea of Mark Andreessen, who's done very well for himself with Andreessen Horowitz and you know, all their various fundings. Um, but other folks in the tech community have sort of taken a charm to this uh, article. I was wondering what you guys might have thought about it. I mean, and how do you feel about it? And what do you see in the world? Is this a time for us? Can we, can we start building back some of the stuff that we uh, haven't been building in the past? Scott, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about that. You know, I, it is one of my general thoughts about the world in particular that technology and technological advancement are the keys to success and that a lot of our problems will be solved by smart people doing smart things together and that roadblocks we put um, in, the, in the way of that uh, whether it's um, austerity roadblocks or captured regulatory agencies favoring incumbents or, uh, you know, big corporations trying to stifle change because they're at the top. They don't want change. Uh, right. Some of them are leading change because they don't want to get disrupted. Some of them are stifling change because they are winning and they don't want to, they don't want to reshuffle the deck. But, you know, in general, yeah, I think technological advancement is great. It's what we ought to be doing. There's great opportunities. I also think that as a society or as a human race, we are terrible at heeding non-time bound warnings. Right. Right. Everybody says nobody could have seen this coming. And sure, six months ago, nobody was going to say six months from now, we're going to be in the middle of a novel virus pandemic. But scientists have been warning us about a novel virus pandemic for a long time. They've said it's going to come. It's only a matter of time. And here are all the terrible things that are going to happen. There's a movie called Contagion on Netflix right now that you can watch. that goes through all of this. So clearly, people did see it coming. They knew what was going to happen. They knew how we should prepare for it. But because the warning is so non-time bound, it's impossible to heed. Yeah, uh, we're just bad at it. Same thing with climate change. Scientists are, scientists are just throwing up their arms saying climate change, it's going to be bad. There's some things we should do about it. But when's it going to be bad? I don't know. 
Nobody right. seems to know. So it's, it's tough to do anything about it because it's a someday thing. And we're really bad at someday yeah. things. Well, yeah, slow-moving threats, right? That's another way I've heard that point. Slow-moving threats we just can't see. We are willing, you know, we're trying to get out of the way of an asteroid, but we're willing to be eaten by a boa constrictor, right? Because right. just, it's just so right. slow. Uh, thank yeah. you, Shell Silverstein, by the way. Yeah, but, you, uh, can, you can boil the frog slowly, right? You <laughs> put the frog go. in the water, just turn yeah. up the heat a little bit at a time, yeah. and that's where we are. We're a frog. We're all frogs in a giant pot of boiling water, and we're like, who knew how this did, was going to boil? How'd this how, happen? How did this happen? Yeah, I, I noticed that one of the things where he talked about this, Carol, was he said, um, it, it, uh, Mark Andreessen's point was, he said, you see this in education. We have top-end universities, but they have a capacity to teach only a microscopic percentage of the population. And I have felt myself that, yes, corporations are going to have this momentary, oh, my gosh, what's happening to us? But, man, what an opportunity to educate ourselves and our workforces when they're at home and the opportunity cost of teaching them is really, really low. The opportunity cost yeah. of learning is really, really low, right? I mean, if I wanted to learn another language, this is the perfect time to do it. I'm stuck at home. I might as well pull it up and do that, right? Right. Yeah, I, I actually think that every time, every moment is the right time to build. The, the impetus is now. And that's the difference, as you're saying, which is that there's this asteroid that happened and we'll just assume it's already happened and isn't coming. So the, the point is, yeah, you want to build. And in terms of Harvard can educate us, that's nonsense. Harvard has classes online all the time. Do we have the impetus to go and, and take advantage of that? And do we value it if we haven't had certificate from them sitting in their course? That's, that's where the, the change has to be because the value of, the, of the, the certificate is from having been accepted and having toughed it out for however many years and been able to pay for it so that you could be there. Those are the values that are tied into that, that uh, diploma. It's not just, did you go attend the classes? Because if you attended the classes, you could do that right now. They're online. Um, uh, Penn, I've taken a number of different classes but it doesn't necessarily add into something that somebody else's value, somebody else values. However, if I want to go get an education in Harvard, I can go get a number of the classes online and then I can go build something with that knowledge. And if I make it into an outcome, then I've added value into the world. And I think there's a lot of people floating around out there, especially in this audience, with absolute genius floating around their brains going, you know, I really think we should try this or I think we should try that. And that's based on an education that they got a little bit from here and they read this over here and they hung out with this person here and they had these discussions over here. Bring that to a head now, whatever it is that's floating around in there, take it till it's a hell no. Yeah. You know, see where it goes because whatever ideas you have, we need them right now because the things that we did haven't worked and the, the disruptions we need, we can't see, but maybe you've got a piece of the pie or a piece of the puzzle. So, Throw it out there and let's see what happens. And I think it's easier to get funding now than it's been. I know right this very red hot moment, it might be a little bit challenging, but there are people out there with money, there always is, who are looking for these kinds of things that might be floating around. And I would suggest now is the time to build. It always is, but it really is now. Scott, you look like you had something on your mind on that. Well, I think, you know, part of his article talks about how unprepared we were. We didn't have enough ICU beds. We didn't have enough respirators. Um, our society is built to make profit. Our healthcare system is built to make profit, especially. 
And we have the number of ICU beds that we have calculated is just enough and a little bit more for the average year. We have a number of respirators that's just enough and a little bit more for the average year. Why? Because that's how you make profits. And the idea that we're going to suddenly decide, oh, well, we need 40% extra ICU beds just in case the next pandemic comes. Even if, even if that happened, two years from now, once the threat's remote, they're all going to get cut. They're going to come in and say, hey, this is a waste of money. We haven't used these things in two years. It's just a drag on profitability, and they're going to be gone. So um, I don't see the kind. He, he seems to be hopeful that uh, business will uh, take care of this. He says that um, you know, the right is the more natural ally for building things and, and building these structures. I kind of disagree with that. I don't think it's going to happen unless – Government does it, and I don't think it's going to happen at all. Um, right. I think we're going to be right back to uh, just enough. Now, I think that it is the time to be looking at technological advances, and maybe we can uh, get past some of these blocks that we have. And you know, I hope that entrepreneurs, especially, are going to be getting together trying to solve some of these problems. But um, and I love his ideas about you know why aren't we building these. Uh, cool new factories and things like that. Um, yeah, some interesting points he has, but or cities. And the yeah. the, I think the answer is because it's not profitable. But don't yeah. you think that there is an argument that says yes, we're gonna? I mean, I absolutely agree with you that they're gonna throw out the beds in two years if they're not being used because now they have to store and maintain them, whatever it is, no doubt. But there is an argument that says, what if we didn't even go down that path that says now we have to have that conversation, but instead went towards that well care? And I actually think that there are generations of people who have such investment in tech and such an intrigue by the tech itself, even more so than in some cases than the outcome, that I think they will help drive it. I think there's a, a layer and of people who drive only profits who need to die off. And I think once they do, that there's going to be a group of people coming up, the ones who are driving sustainability, et cetera, who are saying, you know, we're going to start looking at how do we do this better? And then we're going to figure out where the money is. Yeah, let me just... When you say die off, you're talking about sunsetting those ideas. We're not gonna. We're not trying to take a, a gun to their heads. No, but the, let's go. I'm not yeah. killing anybody. I think yeah. natural selection. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but but yeah. So and it, you know, and his point here was it's time for desire. If folks are that, how do we? And I think that we have to figure out how to foster that in our kids, right? We have to foster that in our uh, organizations. That is not, you know, right now. To Scott's point where we were earlier and his point here, um, you know, our culture and not just America, Western right. culture is wrapped largely around the idea of how do we extract every bit of cash out of this thing so that uh, I can go to the beach. And it's probably not even go to the beach. It's whatever. But it's all about, you know, how do I get the short term money out of this thing? How do I and I'm not building to protect myself for the future in any way. Right. And I think about this as a. A counter to this was when I was young and putting myself through college, one of my jobs in the summer was to uh, walk through a fact was as I worked in a factory in the summers. I did not I was blue collar work, right? I was, I was working for a living. And what I did was one of my jobs was to go through and check the batteries in the emergency lights 
And I would have to do this every month. And I would go through and actually do, I would put a hygrometer, right? I was testing the specific gravity of the liquid and a lead acid battery inside of each one of these lights. And there's, you know, for every bay, there's a light on each side of the bay, on each side of the door. And, and so I would spend literally two days a month going through this entire factory. And my job was to make sure if there was ever a fire, the lights came on. Right. If the power went up, the lights came on. I mean, I was there to make sure that people could find their way safely out of that building. And you think about it. I mean, not that I was expensive. This is a big factory. They were making money. They knew what they were doing. But that was an investment that I'm going to guess this factory may or may not have done if they weren't required by law to make sure there was a safe path to get out during a fire. Right. But this is how we do these kinds of things. We set rules around capacity. We set rules around protection and preparedness. And, uh, you know, to the point, his point, our, our understanding, these are just things we haven't done in a long while. And we're only good at those at uh, real specific high incident threats, right? The slow, the slow boil stuff, we're pretty bad at figuring out how to protect ourselves against this. I mean, a hundred year threat, we're not so good at, right? I mean, right. thank goodness, I mean, you know, we, I've said this and I'll hit one last time was, as I've talked to people who were prepared to send their workforce home, Charleston, my folks in Charleston had it. Why did they have it? Because they've had to do it so many times because of hurricanes. They knew how to send their folks home. When you get away from the coast, people didn't know how to do that. They, I mean, they were all struggling with that idea because they never practiced it. Now my kids did fire drills in school, but no one figured out, did my disaster recovery plan actually work? Could I move my staff offsite? Can I distribute the data and the communications infrastructure in some way that works? That was untested for so many people. And that's kind of where we are as a country. I mean, that's just our little observations as we go along. So I'm just going to put a bow back on this thing. I like the idea that it's time to build. I think it's okay for us to figure out how to build capacity in this system. I support that idea. And I think that as folks in tech, we have access to big data. We have access to that other people don't have to the tools that make society, that can make society work. And if we can value building good lives over capturing eyeballs so that I can sell ads against it, if I can send this higher value, this higher purpose thing, I am all for that. And I want our community to figure out how to make the world a better place. And I think this is our responsibility. You know, uh, let's let's make the world a better place in which we're at. And the way, making the world a better place is not figuring out how to sell ads better than the next guy. Right. Yeah. Right. You're here. I think, and there yeah. should be a joy and passion in this built in. Right. Cause you, I love that you said we have all these things and you have each other. Yeah. You know, we this should be the fun, fun part. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I am worried about this, right? You know, it, 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 I know Scott kind of said this, I think both of you put pieces to this, but you know, I am worried because I don't, I don't sense in society, we're getting really good at this, right? I don't see us generally getting better at valuing the stuff that matters. And in fact, when I see it, even in my friends, when I look at them and I think, oh my God, look at how well they are responding to quarantine. Look at the things their family is doing together. Look at what they are building and doing. Um, there are some people who are doing this really well. They are outliers. 
right? <laughs> they are outliers. I mean, the rest of us are going, oh my God, I wish I had some other hobby other than eating out. Because really, I don't know what to do with myself now, right? I mean, that's, uh, I have to kind of make that adjustment. Um, I, you know, I, I need a little less uh, TikTok, a little less, um, yeah. a little less stuff that's just completely ephemeral what can i do that will last uh what can i do that will last me uh the signature by the way my current signature at the bottom of my emails is arslanga uh vita brevis and someone asked me what it meant yesterday and i had to tell so i wrote it out again which it means art is long and life is short and the idea is to remind myself it's not there for you it's there for me to say what can I do that will outlast, right? What can I do here that will outlast? Not just this, but me. What will I do that when I'm dead, someone will go, that Phil, he built something we can still use. That's pretty good. You know, I built a life around what he's doing or what we're doing here. So I, I like the idea. I think uh, I'm completely with this. Let's build good things. I hope uh, our tribe is with us on that and some folks will find their way to build things that last. And that's what we're trying to do here. All right. I think, I don't know what else there could be to say, to make this say, I think we did our job. I think we did good here today. Once again, we get to put this at the end of our journal today and say, I think I did some good today. Um, let's uh, let people find us on the web if they would like to be connected with us even more. Scott, you start us off. How do people find you? I'm on LinkedIn uh, under Scott Pfeiffer. I'm strategybusinessconsulting at gmail.com. And I'm also www.fscottp.com. Excellent. Carol Hamilton, why would people come looking for you? What is it? What problem are they trying to solve when they come looking for you? And how do they find you? Well, I absolutely love leadership and I love helping people enhance their leadership. I also like helping solve puzzles. Let's look at the puzzle of where you are. And I lean towards the softer skills of emotional intelligence and culture. And so those are my expertise. You can find me at LinkedIn at Carol Hamilton Live, or you can come to my website at redfoxroad.com or email me, carol at redfoxroad.com or send smoke signals because I look out the window a lot. I'll, call, I'll find you. Thanks. <laughs> I like that. Um... Hey, I'm Phil Yenov. I run Tech After Five, and my job is to help IT people find their better selves, right? And let's build things together. We've been doing that with live events for a long time, but right now we're doing them in the virtual. We'd be delighted to have you join us. And the neat thing about it is uh, before you might have said, oh, the traffic or the travel, I can't do it. Now um, you just have to be able to click on a Zoom call and uh, hang out with us. So we would love to have you. Uh, you can find me at philyanov.com, Y-A-N-O-V, uh, Tech After Five. I'm also Phil Yanov on Twitter. But uh, you know I'm here. I'm here to help you do good at what you're doing. So thank you. <laughs>